Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dope Black Women podcast. You're joined by me, Rashan, the host of this episode and the co-founder of Dope Black Women. And on this episode, I'm joined by Cassie, who's someone I first came across on YouTube many, many moons ago. And when I asked her how I should introduce her, she said, just say Cassie. And I'm thinking like, what? The way I know this girl, there's so much more to her than just Cassie. She's such a big personality. She's a content creator who focuses on lifestyle, motherhood and motivation. But let's just get straight into it. So Cassie, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Hey, honey, how are you? I'm really good. I'm excited. I'm excited to share and just, you know, talk to you. I know, I, to be honest, yeah, I'm actually very much looking forward to it because do you remember the first time we met? I do. I do. For BBC, right? Yeah. And you were so encouraging and you spoke so much goodness. And I was just like, oh, what a, ble- what a blessing to meet such an amazing person. Just randomly. Oh, thank you. I remember but- that. I will never forget that day because it was like, an opening to what I was kind of like starting with YouTube and then you was like yeah I've been seeing you and I was like oh, me like so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get into it something we always ask all our guests is what makes you a dope black woman so um what makes me a dope black woman is that I feel like I live authentically in my truth mm-hmm. and regardless of all the different struggles that come through just being a woman in general but especially being a black woman I feel like I yeah I just I live in my truth and I think yeah that's what makes me a dope black woman we love that authenticity that's something that we really try to encourage lots of people um not only on our podcast but on our platform and in our whatsapp group to do because as you said it is really hard especially when we are in a society where there's so many things and so many people telling us to show up in a particular way that sometimes we don't want to fit into that that yeah. idea do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and especially when you think about phrases like the black the strong black woman oh. it's like you, you don't even have to show strength and you automatically assume that you're a strong black woman away. it's like there's, there's not an opportunity for you to show vulnerability to appear delicate to appear vulnerable and actually as black women we can be strong if we want to and we can yeah. also be very delicate and very vulnerable if we want to as well and actually the strength comes from being able to be vulnerable 100% a hundred percent agree with that I think everyone always I get the strong black woman probably every day of my life mm-hmm. because of my circumstances and situations but I'm like no I cry every day probably and <laughs> I am vulnerable a lot and I feel like I'm a delicate flower but if you want to call me strong fair enough <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and something that I really admire about you, and it's actually one of the main reasons I follow you on Instagram, is because I really rate how transparent you you are with the emotional season you're in. So if you're someone who's happy right now, you'll see from your posts and your captions. If you're someone who's a bit stressed, you'll see it from your posts and your and your and your captions. And I feel like yeah. that transparency is really really needed and really really important. Um, yeah. But how easy is it for you to be like that? <laughs> I'm realizing like I think that's just cast like that's just me I don't I don't necessarily you know like when people say oh like how do you like it's like it's not something I actually try to be mm-hmm. and sometimes I even think oh like I'm doing too much like just the beginning of me even doing that was like I thought oh no I'm doing too much like I, mm. I, I had a moment I was thinking about something I posted it on social media and then that post did better than any other post that I had tried to like make a good post if that makes sense yeah like all the posts where I wanted to be like this I don't know have it having it all together this like cool, sort of like glossy posts I was doing those and then when I did this like vulnerable word vomit and just shared everything that's the post that like people really engaged with and mm-hmm. from then I just feel like yeah it just happened like there's like you said if I'm happy I feel like people could tell if I'm sad I think people could, I don't know how to and even in my in the in off social media people always be like oh Cassandra like we can read you Mm. read your face like it's just the person I am so sometimes I'm like I'm being a content creator just based on Cass so it's hard sometimes because that does mean there is times where I don't want to post because I'm just not feeling good do you get what I mean but as a content creator it's like you're supposed to have scheduled posts and and then even sometimes when I do have scheduled things that sound all happy and like my life's just great and then I don't want to post it because I feel like oh that's fake though Cass because that's not where you are Mm -hmm. do you get it (laughs) yeah it's a it's a it's one of those things it's it's a good I don't see it as a bad thing I just feel like yeah it's me and how do you navigate it then when it is offline and people kind of have this perception of you to always be happy and jolly all the time I think that it's got better over the years maybe yeah it's got better over the years I feel like now people understand that I'm a human Mm-hmm. And I think people are understanding that content create- creators in general are human. So it's not that bad. But sometimes, obviously, people do expect me to be 100% happy all the time. And now, but not like I try and I just make sure that whoever whoever comes in contact with me, especially if their first time, I don't want to give them like, oh, sad, depressed cast, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So majority of the time, I'm going to hit you with the, like, just a cast that's, not to say that I'm faking it, but I'm just going to, give you a cast like I'm not gonna be like oh I'm just having the worst day today sometimes don't get me wrong I meet people and I'll be like, they'll be like oh so love to you I'm like listen I've been rushing I'm, I'm I'm an honest person so I'm always gonna be that but I don't think people need to see when like see all my problems when I see them if that yeah mm-hmm. and you know when you're writing your captions yeah <laughs> who would you say it's for like do you write your captions and think to yourself this is gonna help someone out there who can relate to you or are you using your captions as a way to be an outlet? Like, you know how some people, when they're going through whether good times, bad times, ugly times, they'll have a journal. Like, for you, are your captions your journal? Or is it because you want to, like, inspire or, you know? I think, I think at points it's been both. Yeah. I think sometimes it's an outlet. It's It has been that. But I think a lot of the times as well, like, I, I really try to talk to 16-year-old me because I feel like I get a lot of messages in my DMs and it's not necessarily from 16 year old me's but it's just from people that have maybe 
I don't know, gone through some sorts of trauma and all of this different stuff. And I know that they, what I'm feeling right now is what they may need to hear. Or the mm. fact that I got through it is what they need to know to get through to their next step. Because I get a lot of those messages like, oh, I saw your post and it made me realise that I can. Or, do you understand? So it's like, I'll write in a way that, I know this is being really vulnerable right now, but in my head I'm thinking, okay, but I know that there's someone who may be going through a time and maybe doesn't have a therapist or doesn't have the best friends around them or mm. support network. And maybe I can be that support network in a way. Yeah, you spoke about that idea of like your 16 year old self. And I remember you had a caption which said something about um, not wanting to spend another second living in your past. Yeah. What's the moment for you where you realised that you were living in your past and it was holding you back? I used to say something on social media a lot and I'd be like going from pain to purpose, pain to purpose, pain to purpose. And I feel like maybe I know I really believe strongly in your words, in your thoughts and the things you say and stuff. And I think there was a time where I just felt like I was in a loop if that makes sense. It was like a loop of like pain, purpose, pain. Pur- and I'm like, all right, God, thanks for the pain, but I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm done with it. Have you seen that <laughs> meme where it's like, God sends his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And it's like, but I didn't ask to be strong. <laughs> I don't, look, I'm like, God, I'm done with it. Whatever I've said, I don't know if I spoke this, but I'm on a, so it's like going from trauma, surviving to thriving. Do you get it? And that's how even now with my post, I try and think. Because it's, it's good to always encourage people who are that. But it's like, all right, all right. But you can't keep being down, though, if that makes sense. You've got to learn a different response to that or a different way of dealing with that thing. Because if you're going through the same things over and over again, it stops being something that happened to you and starts being, all right, what are you doing that's making this continue to keep happening, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. That's when I was just like, I don't want to live in my past. I don't want to live in what happened yesterday. I don't want to live in, I just want to live in the fact that, okay, that's done and I can learn from it, but I can't keep bringing it into the next stages of my life. Otherwise, I'm going to repeat the same things again and again and again and again. But what did that look like for you practically? I think when my marriage broke down and the way I maybe like, just, just what I was going through in that season and that time, that's what made me realise that I'm just living in this unhealed... Like, I feel like the way I was talking to myself, the way I spoke to myself was a reminder of, like, 16-year-old me, 17-year-old me, 18-year-old me. Like, okay, putting my value in another person, putting my value in things and not realising I'm just valuable being Cassie. Mm. And I think when I realised that, I'm, I'm, I latch onto something or I latch onto someone or I, and that's what I'm finding my value in. And then when that thing's not there, then it's like, I'm not, I'm not valuable. Mm. I felt like that again. And when I realized, oh no, your value is not found in people. Your value is not found in a thing. Your value is not found on Instagram. It's like, but you know, but you've said that Cass, but you're doing the same thing again. So this is now no longer any one problem. This is a you, you need to then, find your value in yourself and realize who you are as a person and that's what kind of I think was the thing of like I can't like all of that stuff that happened to me in my past keeps on dictating what my future is and what I think of myself and yeah I think that's what I basically meant. It it sounds like you've kind of been on a new self-discovery journey then since since the divorce. Definitely again (laughs) yeah I have and I know that you know is sometimes I'm harsh on myself because I'm like I know that no one, I don't know what's a fully healed person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that. 
but there's always wanting to be the best version of yourself and I guess there was a point where I thought I was the best version of myself but as you grow as you get older as you learn new things I just think maybe there was still parts of me that didn't because like I said it was almost covered and I won't blame that on my ex-husband but I'll blame that on the fact that I just I didn't realize that he was a another thing that I was latching on to to find my identity in mm. I thought yeah I thought like I, I thought I didn't do that anymore um yeah I was in I was really I was still Christian but I was really like really heavy in the church at the time when I was married and before like um before I was married and I was engaged etc and I didn't realize I was also finding identity not in Christ but in being in church and who I was in that like yeah I was just I was finding identity in titles we spoke before we started about the fact that you're in therapy um, yeah. and, you've, and you've been doing sessions and stuff. So this idea of like latching on to labels and identities, I feel like lots of people can relate to that. Um, yeah. But like, where does that come from for you? Do you know? Um, I feel like it's come from childhood and like we've spoken about it. So I did a TED talk about like some of my childhood and like what I in terms of like never being stable moving around a lot like I've moved over like I don't know it's now probably like nearly like 25 times and yeah my therapist always kind of says that that will obviously I wasn't I see do you know is when before I went to therapy this was my norm so I didn't think I saw something a bit weird of moving so many times but I didn't really properly realize what that did to me as a person Mm-hmm. Um, I saw my mum also break up from my dad when I was like 11 and she just had like different partners up until she passed away and I think even seeing that like different people different men and then different houses and then just never having that stability so never feeling safe never feeling like um, never knowing what I, I didn't have that I didn't have anything example to me of to find my value in if that makes sense mm. I thought I, the things that I saw and the way I grew up I kind of think that made me devalue myself because I was like well I'm not my therapist always says that obviously if you're not being cared for in the way that you should be and also like just learnt behavior from my parents from things around me I just I think I never felt truly cared for like I knew my mum loved me but I think yeah I never felt truly safe so anytime I find a thing that makes me feel safe I latch onto it that makes sense yeah because it's almost like filling a void that you didn't get as a child yeah 100 percent. the moment that you realized that what was that like for you <laughs> I was talking to you earlier and I was like I felt like a broken babe I feel like I just felt like how am I gonna like how are we gonna fix this because then this is what I've known like this is all I've known and yeah I just felt like oh how am I gonna like where do I go from this because that was my childhood that was my upbringing that's all I've known now how do I how do I change that I still feel like I find it I'm fight I find it hard to change that Mm. but I just actively do like try and heal the childhood me every day like genuinely talk to the childhood me sometimes and I'm like Cass you're okay you're safe like like just reminding myself because most of the time if we think about it now the things that happen to us as children, if we, if it happened to us, maybe when we were at an older age, we'd see it differently. That's what 100%, I realized. hundred percent, yeah. I'm like, why am I letting the childhood me dictate to the adult? Yeah, so it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just like your childhood, to... your inner voice is your is your child is child Cassie. Yeah. As opposed to the adult Cassie that can probably rationalize things a bit a bit more. Exactly. 
I, I remember being at a talk. Sorry, yeah. I remember being at a talk um, when I was probably like 16 or 17. And I remember okay. someone saying something to me that stuck with me forever. And it wasn't to me, it was actually to like the room, sorry. Um, but it felt like it was to me. And okay. the lady said, you spend your adulthood trying to get over your childhood. Yeah. And when she said that, I thought to myself, ah, that can't be me. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, really, you know, you really cannot be the person to be saying that can't be me because God will make it Look. be you. Look, that's how I feel sometimes. And I had to, that, that, that situation, I've never, I've never, I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you what the room smelled like. Yeah. I can really bring myself back into that moment because it's always stayed with me. And me, me having that moment of that could never be me is not to say that like anyone who is doing that is less than or anything like that. But it was actually to motivate me to say that I don't want to spend my entire adulthood trying to run away from traumas as a child. I actually want to put in the work like you spoken about just now by going to therapy so that I can actually live life as an adult, as an adult person and not through the trauma that I went through as a child. Yeah. It just can't, like, I'm not saying, I can't say, it's not an excuse to get, I can't say, oh, it just can't be the excuse because I know it's not an excuse. I know it's something that loads of people have gone through some sort of childhood trauma, but then it's like, okay, it gets to a point where, okay, are you going to keep letting that dictate the rest of your life? Are you going to be sad? Are you going to respond to things in a negative way? Are you going to push people away because of your trauma? Like, are you going to, and then have regrets? And then like, I can't, I just can't. So I feel like there's different pains. They always say there's like, separating from my husband was a pain. Staying was also a pain. So you've got to pick your hard. Do you get what I mean? Like, that's mm. just life. And that's what I've chosen that. The hard that I pick is healing because that other stuff is just too much. So even though healing is hard, I love it here. <laughs> I love it here. So Yeah. What do you think is something that you would have benefited from as a teenager or as Cassie 10 years ago that you only kind of realise now from, from therapy and doing the work? I think understanding the power that I possessed and not like someone telling me that my happiness isn't going to come from things that I need to make myself happy that realistically I'm just looking for someone to be me if that makes sense but no one's ever going to be me so I'm the only one that is in control of that happiness people can come and add on to it and people and stuff like that but the reality is Cass it's, it's all you I think I was looking from like a child for someone to do that to be that that I didn't get and I've just been searching ever since and every every deficit that I find in myself I'm looking for someone to fill, fill that deficit when really, I just need to do that. And if I did that, I probably wouldn't have made some of the choices that I made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have an example? I think it's just the way I've lived my life. I don't know how to it, to give you an... I feel like just always needing... I don't know. I don't know what an, like, what an example like that looks like because I feel like it's everything. Mm. It's in everything that I used to do that. Like, I used... When I, from childhood, it's like I... I was always looking for something to make me happy. So I don't know. It could be, it's food. Food can be an example. Like, like, oh, like using food to make myself happy or just using something to fill voids within me that, that nothing was going to, that's not going to feed it. Social media, like at a point, was feeding that. Like, oh, okay, you know, people like me. Oh, yes. But then people are not always going to like you. That's what I realised. Like, I think when I broke up with Carl, I realised that the most 
because through my journey of social media I think it's been quite positive mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been negative I think I've always been in a place where um you know people were quite nice mm-hmm. like when people were like, oh, do you have trolls I'd be like like I didn't really have trolls it was all quite good and then when I put out the um statement that I'm not with Carl anymore and whatever has happened with us and I thought like on my page I got so much love and then it went on like the blog pages and then I was like oh people don't actually love me and not like not like that but that's how it felt like it was like oh that you internalized it even though you was aware yeah. that, that actually these people are trolls and they're people that yeah. don't know yeah. you it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about the childhood you was at was 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 responding and reacting was reacting like oh they don't like they don't like me like because that's that's another thing I always wanted to be liked because of my childhood trauma I'm like to be liked is to be safe to have people not like you is not to be safe and I guess there's times where people may not I don't always feel like I needed people to agree with me because I'm very truthful in what I say but to have my band of people but then to see that okay people were like oh the wedding wasn't real it was like it was challenging everything that my truth it was like your wedding wasn't real you're this you're that and I was like is that how quick like and because Shade Bar I feel like they posted different times of like my journey it was like now they're posting this and everyone's got something to say. It was like, okay, so did people, were they really happy for me or were people just waiting for it to fail? It was like, mm. oh, that's what I'm saying. It, but it, that's not the truth. That's people on the internet. A few people, well, it was a thousands of people, but it was a thousands of people on Shade Bar. <laughs> you get what I mean? It was thousands of people on Shade Bar. And then there was thousands of other people that had other things to say. But Cassie, who found, found value in those things, was looking at that and was like, oh my gosh. I literally was like, all right. I need to change, like, what, what, I need to think about what I need to go to do in my life, because now I can't do social media, no one like, like, it was just, like, yeah, a lot of that, so I feel like that's something that I've done, and I maybe haven't even really noticed as such, until when I started to really do therapy, and I was like, yeah, mm. this is, this is why, this is what it is, this is, those things that you do, okay, this is what it is. And how did you kind of work your way up and out of that place of how you felt at the time where you was getting all this hate message all these hate messages you was getting all this negativity especially as someone who as you said never had experienced this before I feel like partly was living in my authentic truth and understanding that social media is social media and also understanding that no one like people have a perception of me and but no one lives in my house do you get what I mean? And then having to also understand that the difference between what looks good and what is good. And it was like, okay, people, because even now I, I say this and it's like I always say, I never ever want it to be about my ex-husband because it's not about him. But people will come to me and be like, you know, it's almost like they feel sorry for me mm. instantly. They'll talk to me in a way of like, I feel sorry. Like, oh, I'm so sad for like, you know, because I know how like, you know, like you must be feeling and you're just, and not in a way of like, more in a way of like, I lost such a great thing. And I think my ex-husband is a great person, but I also know now that I'm a great person. But it's like, people won't say it like that. But then that's what I'm saying. The way I feel about myself now, and the person I feel like I am now, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what people think because it's about what's really, what is really the truth of how you feel. Mm. So I think that's how I've started to just get myself out of it. And I think, also, the more I've started to find value in myself and in 
things I like and then becoming I don't know it's like it's a weird journey when you when you're starting afresh almost like you're you're I'm like learning things about myself that I didn't know because yeah. I didn't give myself the chance to know so yeah and you spoke about therapy quite a bit so far do you feel like therapy has helped you to discover and understand who you are now and kind of like date yourself yeah I think that it's helped me to really yeah no like I don't know I'll say that I, I got into a relationship when I was like 20 I got engaged when I was 22 I think I didn't know myself and I thought I did I really did I really thought I knew myself but I didn't so I guess therapies really helped me to understand that it's okay it's okay that I didn't know myself it's okay that I didn't trust myself it's okay that I've made mistakes it's okay it's like it's just let me know it's okay but okay let's move forward let's heal let's grow let's ex- have new experiences and things still I still may make I'm not I'm that's another thing I'm not perfect I think I want to be a perfect person I don't know where I got that notion from but I really want to be perfect and it's okay I'm not perfect I'll probably make another mistake one day but it's just the way I deal with things and handle it now and yeah I think that's what therapy's really helped me with and the way it's, and it's only recently is because I'm like I was suicidal when I was young mm-hmm. yeah and I overcame that by the grace of God my mum passed away from cancer I would never ever want to take my life because I think life is like if you're still breathing you still got a chance that's mm-hmm. how I see it so there's times where things have happened where I'm like oh my god I'm such a bad person and then I'm like okay but what the next am I going to just sit here and keep saying I'm a bad person or that's a wrong thing, or I did so bad, or I'm going to be like, okay, what can I learn from this and move forward? I can't, no one can hold, like, I just feel like, what am I supposed to do, hold myself in a prison, and no one can hold me in a prison, and we can't hold ourselves in prisons, and we just have to carry on. Like, whatever choice you made at that time is a choice you made at that time. So whether it was perfect or not, what can we do? Mm. (laughs) Do you get it? The idea of a prison, I think it's really powerful and relatable, because I do feel like sometimes, the mo- even if you're not in prison like in real life I feel like sometimes we really are in a prison in our heads by the yeah. thoughts that we tell ourselves and the and the, the the way that we punish ourselves like even down to yeah and this is something that I haven't even spoken about properly but like I put on a lot of weight and last weekend I got a real light bulb moment because I wanted to go to an event with my friend I really wanted to go and I wasn't going to go because of the weight that I put on I was mm-hmm. like oh, I'm not going to go because Type of people are type of people are gonna be there. I know what they're like. I don't wanna be around them when I feel like this. And then one minute later, I said to her, "Scrap that, like, let's book the tickets, let's go." Because I had to kind of give myself a pet talk to say, like, God forbid, I died that night or died the next day, I, I would have died not of going out and having fun because of thoughts of other people's opinions of that I actually people. don't care about and actually does not pay my bills <laughs> or impacts me in any way. Same, same, same. I've been having and it's mad. I put on weight. Same. I've been like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here. I don't want to do that. I don't... And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to say. Are you going to hold yourself, Cassandra, in a prison because of people and wanting to be this perfect person? How? <laughs> you, just, you just actually can't live like that. It's actually, I even did a post today that I'm going to put out. And it was like, I was talking about being a masterpiece here. And I was saying, the biggest battle that we have is the battle within our mind. That's the biggest prison for most people is the prison in their mind because of these things, because of wanting to be perfect, because of what other people are going to think, because of what other people are going to say, because of what, like, and then we don't do nothing. And also, there's the change that you can also make is just loving yourself for where you are. 
Do you get what I mean? You can, we can just choose to love ourselves right where we are. Like, yeah, I might not be exactly at the weight that I want to be, but I can still choose to love Cass for who she is right now. Mm. Yeah, I might not be making the right choice right now, but I can still choose to love me. It's okay. Like, we, do you get it? I feel like just giving ourselves some slack, just like you'd give anyone else some slack. Mm. do you get what I'm saying I feel like yeah sometimes I have to even remind myself what would you say to someone else that's going through this you would never be like oh you're this you're that you would always be like oh you know you'd have find grace for them so find grace Mm. for yourself so yeah and what's your what's your relationship been like with discovering that you had ADHD I know it's something you kind of only realized in your later adulthood because with ADHD I know that like that's something that's mostly associated with boys and this idea yeah. of like naughty boys and bad boys it's like they're oh they're, they're hyper they're naughty and I remember there were some stats in like 2014 that showed that black women actually make up the highest percentage of people over the age of 16 or 18 to screen positive for ADHD wow. I feel like that's something that doesn't really get spoken about like when you think, you think of mental health I feel like it's still very much a big stigma in our community in and outside of it but very much in it and mm-hmm when people talk about mental health, the only ones that they kind of sort of talk about is depression or anxiety and anything outside of that feels too scary for a lot of people to tackle. So I feel like it would be important that whilst you're on the podcast with us, that you kind of talk about your own experience of navigating ADHD. I think um, people can give you an identity. Yeah. And I feel like growing up, I was given an identity because I had ADHD and I didn't know. So I feel like people would, say the reason why I did things like I'm lazy I'm careless I'm I don't care about people's feelings I'm selfish that like there was all these words that were attached to me growing up because I didn't understand I had ADHD and I think as I got older I knew that something like simple things I started googling things because simple things that were simple things that other people were never simple to me and I always felt like less of a woman I'm not organized. I can't even organize myself, let alone mm-hmm. anyone else. So I'd be like, why am I not organized? Or I'm so untidy. Like my house would be an absolute mess. My room would be an absolute mess. Like this is from childhood growing up. Like the thing is, it's got better over the years because I just learned to cope because I had to. But it was all of those things. Like I'd lose things. Like it was like my friends would know me as this is how it was like I'd go I would go to my friend's house she lived in Camberwell I was like 14 I'd get a bus pass I'd always lose the bus pass on the way to her house I would then get to where she lives like the bus stop and then I would always forget how to get there even though I'd been there about 100 times then I'd call her from the same phone box and say oh can you come and meet me and she'd come and meet me and then her mum would give me two pounds when I'm leaving as per usual to get another bus pass that was my, that was a cycle. I would then, I, I would move house because I moved house so many times, I told you. Mm-hmm. And when I would move house, I would always forget where I lived, but I'd been living there a year. Like simple things, like why would you not know, do you get it? And then I'd get like in trouble because why would you not know how to get to your own house? Like I didn't even get told, oh, you're lying. Like, what do you mean? You just don't like, that's what I'm saying. You're just being, you just don't want to find, like, you just don't want to walk to my house by yourself. I'm like, no, I've genuinely forgot. I would buy new trainers and then be getting off the bus. And because I know how careless I am, I'd put the trainers under my feet and stand on them, the box. So when I get off, I could feel that I'm standing on a box and pick up my trainers and I will step over the box, leave the trainers on the bus. And yeah, I've lost, I've lost so many phones that I don't even know, like, 
if that's like and that was more in my younger years and say when I got to about I feel like 25 24 25 I've realized okay no I've got ADHD but then I didn't understand the because I didn't get diagnosed I didn't understand the emotional side of it right and I think that was a whole different thing I think in my younger years it was more like the forgetting things when I was still very disorganized growing up and in my older years which made me feel like how can I do anything so in a way, when I found social media and I was doing well on social media, I felt like, oh my gosh, something that I'm actually good at and consistent mm. in because I can't, like everything I start, I will stop. That was part of like my ADHD symptoms. So then when I got into my audience and then I realized, oh my gosh, my emotions are all over the place. <laughs> my emotions are up and down, like the way I respond to things. And that's when I was like, okay what is this and then I looked deeper and I was like and it was just saying all this stuff about ADHD that you can yeah like emotionally how your emotions are how you react in relationships how you react to people and it was just like a light bulb moment like oh my gosh so I figured out one part of it but I still hadn't really come to terms with the other part of it which is Mm -hmm. the emotional side and that's like it's been a journey but it's a journey it's more freeing and freeing if anything because I, I don't I don't feel like I need to keep apologizing for being Cassandra Mm. so I feel like that's the the new journey is being okay like hugging myself and being like oh my god giving yourself the compassion yeah that young you Mm -hmm. just didn't it wasn't that you was lazy so you could you could it's like I've almost sat how I feel is that I've sat and I've just been picking labels off myself like stickers that people have put on me and said about me and told me I was and now it's like I've taken majority of the stickers off, still got a few to go. Mm. And that's been freeing and amazing. As part of that journey of experiencing this, this freeing energy and this freeing vibe of coming to terms with the fact that you have ADHD and explaining a lot of challenges or experiences that you went through as a child and in your teenage years, did you ever like mourn for that version of you or like or like cry? And that might sound very random, but the reason why I say that is because um, I went through therapy. I've done therapy twice in the last two years. And there was a moment where I had this light bulb moment where I kind of felt like I could feel in real life and in real time, the sadness and emotions that I was bottling up from when I was younger. And I remember once I had this realization through going to therapy that I just cried for time. (laughs) Did you just ask me, I've done that like a hundred times. Really? Like, I thought it was only me. It's only now I'm talking no. to you. I'm like, let me see if someone else can relate to oh my crying God, for, on behalf of like 14-year-old you, 17-year-old you. And they're like, what? they're not here anymore, but they're, they're very much here. I've done it so many. No, li- literally, I've done it. That's it. Different parts of the journey of it, because I feel like, like it's so complex in me. And I just feel like different parts, I will cry for different things. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like the realisation of something. And then it'll be like, I'll just break down because I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry for maybe the way I spoke to you, a 14-year-old you back then, because you just mm. didn't. Yeah, like, I, it, it's been so many times because, I don't know, I feel like that happens to me regularly or I'll watch something. Like, I'll be watching something motivational and they will say something and it triggers, like, a thought or mm. a feeling I felt when I was young. And it was like, oh, my gosh, that's why. Or my therapist will be talking. Mm. You, they ask you a question and you start talking and you really and I'm like realizing so much things have stemmed do you, from my do you as well get that moment where you kind of they ask you a question and then you speak and as you're speaking you get you, you kind of have an epiphany you kind of have like yeah. a, 
a moment where you're like oh my days wait this is right yeah and sometimes it's so scary because sometimes it's like they didn't they didn't even have to tell you or say anything you're just talking and you're like oh my days this is why this happens this is why and the thing is I was watching something the other day with a therapist and she was saying sometimes in therapy it takes years and years and years for some things yeah and time and whatever and she's like some things is instant and I feel like that recently like I'll hear one like I'll, I'll be speaking but I'll get an epiphany it was like that was all I needed to know to do the next part of this journey those little aha moments can change your whole life and the last question I want to ask you um it's ironic because I kind of feel like in an unplanned way this kind of sums up our whole conversation that we've been having okay and it's about this idea of surviving and thriving which you also mentioned earlier yeah and for you how do you think we can get from and I say we literally meaning like me and you (laughs) 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 like other people who who might have been through like trauma as a child and things like that how do we get through it from a state of surviving to thriving because I didn't realize until I completed my second round of therapy this year that I was living in survival mode yeah. So when I started therapy, it was for um, complex PTSD. And PTSD is, is a form of anxiety. Um, and I remember at the time, my therapist saying to me, he goes, so how oh, does okay. your anxiety sharpen your life? I said, huh? He goes, <laughs> how does it sharpen your life? I said, it is me. <laughs> was like, he was looking at me like, what? And I was like, every, I can't answer that question because everything about me, everything I do, every yeah. second, every decision, every the way I step to the left of the road, the way I, everything I do is embodied in my anxiety and PTSD. Mm-hmm. And it's only now that I've completed therapy that I can actually separate the two of Rashan and then Rashan when she's being triggered. Yeah. And I only realised now that all these years prior to this point, I was actually just in survival mode. Yeah. I wasn't thriving. I wasn't yeah. living. I was surviving because everything was coming from a place of fear. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and I yeah. do feel like it is a journey. And I, for me, I think part of the way that I would, I think I get from surviving to thriving is by continuously doing the work like therapy, mm. is by stepping out of my comfort zone, is by being accountable and having accountability partners. Um, but this is a phrase and a term that I've only really come, come to meet or come to learn about this year. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you, like in your opinion, what does that look like, that journey of get, of going from surviving to thriving? I think exactly like what you just said is doing the work, doing the work and also not living in the past. And that's so hard, do you get what I mean? Because especially when you're li- moving from a trauma response and I guess that's why you've got to do the work because otherwise you're only going to, you only know what you know. That's one thing, you only know what you know and that's why we have to want to know more and just want to better ourselves but once you get to that point where now you want to better yourself you just gotta let what happened go do you get what I mean you can't live and hold on to all the past things and the past feelings and keep telling yourself and I literally when I'm feeling that traumatic feeling of like I'm going through whatever that trauma response is and six-year-old Cass is just having a, a meltdown inside I literally parent myself Mm. I talk to a six-year-old cat and I say it's okay you are safe you are fine nothing like you're not gonna like I told you I moved around a lot sometimes I'll get anxiety that like, what if I just leave my house or uh, you're not gonna lose your house you're not 
oh, what it like, okay, even if a relationship breaks down, you are loved, you are amazing, you've got people like I have to speak to myself because the reality is a lot of the things that we are feeling and it is the child in us that is feeling that. But if we really look at it as now, that's not what's going on. Do you get it? And that's mm. what I think going from surviving is understanding that's not what like looking at it and that's not what's happening. And that's where it starts to turn into okay, I'm not looking behind. I'm just looking in front and I'm just taking it step by step. And I'm also loving myself at every step that I'm taking. Not like, oh, when I get there, that's another survival. No, when I get, no, right now, Cass, you're doing well. Parenting myself, it literally is what I do. Like, so mm. I think that's the way of going from like survival into, yeah, thriving. And not just keep telling yourself that same old story. And I think that's it's like you've got to write the new story. It's hard, but you've got to write the new story. <laughs> mm, I love that. That's a really powerful ending. Cassie, thank you for joining <laughs> me on the podcast. If they didn't thank know about you, you before, <laughs> they know about you now. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>